Um, hi guys, welcome to the latest issue of the Blue Sky Fostering Podcast. I'm very, very lucky to be joined today. I say lucky, I, I'm, I'm flattering you both a little bit too much, aren't I? Um, I am joined today by uh, the two ladies who helped kick this all off, uh, Helen and Sheila. Helen, um, who is our um, clinical lead for uh, Blue Sky, um, and then Shula, who's her lovely daughter. So hi again, guys. How are you? Hola. 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 Uh, this is a Spanish language podcast for today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was probably now about, God, I can't think how long ago it was we, first, we last spoke and recorded our first podcast. Probably seven or eight weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, flown by. Um, how are you guys holding up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I don't know. I've been a bit, I don't know. I, I During quarantine, I just kind of like to stay in my room 23 hours mm. a day. Not really do much. I mean, although I've been going back to school during quarantine, which has been helping a bit, because um, I actually get to like see other people. And I met up with one of my friends yesterday. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been all right. Yeah. yeah. And Helen, Helen, what about you? Um, yeah, I've been up and down and all over the place. The first bit was quite, okay, we can do this. And then it got into <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. I'm still here. And I think I've got my second win now. So mm. yeah, that's how, I, that's how I feel. I feel it's just yeah. turning a corner again now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, and hopefully today um, we can use this to kind of springboard some people into that kind of next part of lockdown or uh, you know, yeah, staying, that's, you know that, that, that's that's what I want to that's what I'd like to say. But um, so the thing that we're going to talk today about is um, is meltdowns, isn't it? Yeah. So when I when I think of the word meltdown, I can only relate it to myself as a, if I relate it to myself as a child is absolute tears. Um, going insular, crying in a room, um, and not being able to see clearly whatsoever. Um, so can you explain to us what it means, Helen, from a, from a clinical point of view? From a clinical point of view, well, from the um, field on autism, they would say there's a difference between a meltdown and a tantrum. So a tantrum would be still possibly not in your conscious control, but it's kind of a protest. It's kind of a, no, this is not happening i don't want this to happen and if i make enough noise and maybe it'll stop so there's an anger in there and a uh you can't make me feeling whereas a meltdown is a little bit more neurological like your whole system is just overloaded so it's similar to what we call in the attachment field is becoming dysregulated your feelings are just bigger you can manage at that time so at that time you're more like a little baby who's just crying and crying and cannot calm themselves down and it's the adult's job to calm themselves down at that time also what we know is that the prefrontal cortex goes offline so you flip your lid and you're all feeling and no thinking so in the middle of a meltdown if i was to ask shula a rational question or ask her to be thoughtful or think about the consequence I would just be talking to myself 
Mm, that's really interesting like because that goes back to that old saying isn't it like flip your lid but actually the way you're talking about it from a neurological standpoint is actually that's literally what's happening isn't it Um, it's literally so you've got your downstairs brain or your reptilian brain which is all about fight and flight and i think this is really meltdowns are often triggered by fear or just such huge anxiety and so then thinking being logical being connected to other people is no longer relevant the only goes out the window, relevant yeah. is can i keep safe can i keep safe can i keep safe yeah and so shula um if to, to bring this across to you um so meltdowns are so they, are they something that um you have struggled with or have have had during uh, in the past i mean yes definitely i've definitely struggled with meltdowns a lot um i think and this kind of relates back to um irrational fears which we talked about a while ago but you did socks yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i don't i don't know if i told this story before but there was um one time where i was with um i was with my granddad and um he bought me an ice cream and <laughs> And so I don't remember how old I was, but I remember my mum telling me about this. So I had an ice cream and it started dripping onto my hand and I just started screaming in the middle of a shopping centre. And so it's definitely something that I've struggled with before, especially um, like in public as well. Like um, one time I had a meltdown for half an hour um, in primary school because we were getting a taxi home instead of normally driving home um, so yeah a lot of a lot of the time it's I'd say a lot of the time it's triggered by changes in mm-hmm. routine um, and like my mum said um, things like that just cause anxiety um, and especially with like irrational fears the ice cream dropping on time. Yeah. So, so I've got two questions from that, um, which I think I'd like to fire back at you, Helen. And the first part is, where do irrational fears come from? Why are they a thing? Uh, because we're human. <laughs> and so we first evolved to be scared of stuff. It's very sensible to be scared of stuff. Um, you've got saber-toothed tigers and whatnot wandering around trying to kill you. So um, we're better off being over-scared than we are under-scared. Mm-hmm. That's something that um, I remember, I, I can't remember what book it was that I was listening to. I think it was um, Sapiens and it was talking about why you see faces in, 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 in things. Why as humans we see faces in, you know, we, we look for patterns and stuff like that. And when you're in bed at night and if you see a shadow, your brain automatically goes, that's a person. Because yeah. it's safer for you to interpret that that is a person um, yeah. than it is to go, oh, it's just a shadow. Um, so, so how does that then, what's happened in in evolutionary terms to then make that be uh to cause a meltdown when an ice cream melts on your hand okay so there's something and i don't know if it was the ice cream melting the coldness on her hand um the fact that she was with her granddad who wasn't really understanding shula's challenges at the time but once she'd started getting anxious, his way was just to try and help and say, look, it's okay, we'll wipe up the 
um, the drips and if you eat it quickly and the more he made suggestions, the more panicky Shula got. And yeah. my understanding of that is that because we're in that rational mode, we're trying to speak to the prefrontal cortex, the thoughtful human higher evolved part of Shula's brain and it's just not online at that time. It's not okay. So the only way to connect and calm is to speak to the emotions, to speak to the fear. And sometimes that isn't with words. Sometimes that is the same as with a little child. It's, you know, more soothing or it's okay, I'm here. Um, a, a soothing voice, being calm in your own body. Um, if you don't give up the fight for the logic, well, if you just stop doing that, it would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> then you just escalate situations. So um, that's what I've learned. So it's, it's, it's I, I mean, if my interpretation is correct, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I would say it's about looking at the larger picture then, isn't it? Because your first reaction might be to say, well, Shula, you've reacted like that because some ice cream's gone on your hand. Yeah. Actually, it's not that. It's the bigger picture and it's, yeah. and then it's almost the, I was going to, I was going to use the word misfiring and that's, I was completely the wrong word, but it's that like your, the lizard part of your brain going, nope, we've got to do this. And then the, the rational part of your brain going, nope, we've got to do this. And so it just yeah. ends down in like a, do you know what? We're just shutting down. We <laughs> and it's, uh, misfiring isn't wrong because what we've all got is we've all got an alarm system. We've all got a smoke detector and uh, evolutionary, you know, even if you only had one in a hundred chance of that shadow being a, uh, an attacker, yeah. Then it's the person who is the most pessimistic and the most anxious and the most wary who survived. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> and, so, oh, sorry. And just and so what we find with people on the autistic spectrum is they've got a, a higher, much higher base level of anxiety than most of us, and also a lot of our kids in foster care because they haven't grown up in in safe homes. You have to set your alarm higher. You have to be on the lookout, and but sometimes your alarm goes off. And it's a false alarm, the same way as you're just making a piece of toast. And actually, it's just a little bit of smoke. It's not, um, not a fire. The it's not a fire the same way as, you know, a loud noise or a drip of ice cream on your hand could mean something very dangerous. Most of the time it doesn't. But the alarm is misfiring. It is responding to safe situations as if they're not safe. And once someone's there... There is no point in trying to rationalise and say, look, this is safe, you're okay. Once someone's over that line, you have to respond to them as if they're really scared, whether yeah. you think they should be or not. And so, Shula, as you are getting older um, and you are doing more and more things, you know, away from um, your parents and stuff like that, what are you trying to do to be able to not manage, but kind of recognise those signs in yourself as you're getting older? Um, well, so usually, um, um, so like for example, in school, I always tell my teachers that I have Asperger's syndrome and uh, I tell them like things that I struggle with, with, um, so like working in groups and stuff like that. Like I tell, I'll tell them what it actually means so that, um, say if I do have a meltdown, or something then they kind of like understand it mm -hmm. yeah and they yeah. know how to respond to you more appropriately then well yeah hopefully what happens at school then Shula when you, when you do have a meltdown um you know what happens to you 
physically if you were to kind of like physically describe that what does it physically feel like where does it come from so I, I don't have meltdowns that much anymore I'd say I I I get panicked and more like rational situations rather mm. than a drip of ice cream or something like mm. for example recently I had an English exam um which I think I I had pretty much had a panic attack and it was like it was terrifying like I I could barely breathe um and I wasn't um like allowed to go outside and just calm down for some of it because obviously I had to carry on with the with the exam so I was sitting in the classroom with like 30 other people like just I don't know it was it was um I don't know uh the the it only was what? huh it was what horrible it was, yeah it was horrible um it was quite scary as well because when I did eventually get, get to go outside for like five minutes just have a breather I could, I could like bed I could like barely breathe it was scary scary <laughs> yeah yeah because I guess all of your all of your um kind of fight or flight or freeze and all that is just going off everything's going mad like you're you're getting you're getting filled with adrenaline ready to like you know react and respond and actually you sat in a classroom with like 30 other people and I guess the feeling that God, if I move, everyone's going to go, what the hell is she doing? Mm. Um, all kind of like, and I don't think that even speaking to somebody who has similar, po- similar things uh, I do, I'm 34 and I still struggle with that. <laughs> I still yeah. struggle with that, that thought of God, everyone's going to look at me if I get up here and then, and then I'm actually not concentrating on, on what it is I'm actually doing. Say, yeah. you know, you, you're in a lecture or you're in a meeting or whatever. And it's like, I can't concentrate on anything other than the stress that's in my body. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as, as an adult, Helen, we'll come, we'll, we'll come back to our looked after children in a second, but as an adult, what, what should I do? <laughs> when? Then when I, when I, when I'm in that, you know, I'm in, I'm in a room full of 30 40 people yeah. and, I'm, and I'm having that stressor um yeah. what, 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 how can I do to relieve that because my go-to is just to go out <laughs> okay so that is one option and that's often a uh, classic what our bodies want to do isn't it mm. if you can't fight or it's not appropriate to fight <laughs> in that circumstance we want to flee so that can be sometimes sharing it as well can be less scary than you think um yeah. and just being very humanizing and saying to other people I'm just having a strong anxiety reaction right now and I need to take a few minutes or a few breaths. People will judge much less than you think and half of the anxiety is the anxiety around being anxious. So starting a meltdown or a panic attack and you think, I can't have one here, this can't happen, that in itself is scary and and you build it up. Whereas there's some famous and incredibly brave people whose job involves them doing scary things in public and the only way they've tackled it is saying at the beginning look I might have a panic attack I might have a meltdown I might um be really overwhelmed at some point and if so this is what I'm going to do yeah and so and when we describe that I can the thing that automatically that instantly comes to mind and Sheila you might be able to relate to this in some way when it comes when we talk about um you know your exams and stuff like that that you're doing but if we talk about our looked after children one of the situations that a lot of them are find themselves in is having to go to meetings um 
uh, about themselves, which is obviously a really highly stress-inducing environment. Yeah. Um, so what, how do we, and I don't mean get the best out of our young people, but how do we make sure that when they go to those meetings, they're in the right mindset? Because, yeah. you know, even as an adult going to a meeting that isn't about me, it would, you know, I find that a stressful thing. Yeah. So how can we help them? The first and obvious thing is to ask them, like one of the reasons Shula has less meltdowns these days is because we've learned a lot about what's likely to trigger her. And so we try, as you get older, you can arrange your environment more and we can communicate more um, with people around her so we know more. And the young person themselves may not know, but you can make some suggestions like, this meeting might be scary for you. Would you like me to sit next to you or opposite you? Um, would you like to have a signal for, excuse me, if you need to go out suddenly? So you don't have to say, hey, everybody, I'm really anxious and now I'm going out. You can just yeah. take the signal and go. Would you like to speak first? Would you like to speak last? Are there any other ways I can support you? Have a glass of water, take sips. So it's about asking the young person, but not leaving them flailing if they don't know. Come up with some suggestions or give them either ors. You know, will it feel safer? Because this is what we're focusing on constantly. This is what your body does when it doesn't feel safe. So we're aiming always to regulate, to move back towards emotionally safety. So if sitting at the very opposite end from the scary IRO is what helps you feel safe, then that's where you sit, the independent reviewing officer. So in one of these meetings that Ed is talking about, they might be in charge of the meeting. So some people feel safe next to the person in charge. Other people find that a bit scary and want to be further away. So you're aiming for what is most likely me to feel safe it could be drawing all through the meeting so you don't have to make eye contact so experimenting because as you say there will be a lot of meetings to practice this in so what feels better you know sometimes sitting near the door so you know you can get out quickly if you need to yeah and i think it's about having those conversations first isn't it so um so shula um obviously you know um you how are going through and have exams and stuff like that and um we spoke about that, about that briefly sort of earlier, but what about meltdowns when you're by yourself and you're not in a classroom and you're in your room and it's the middle of the night or, or something like that? What, what, what's, what's that like for you? Um, so I don't really get um, meltdowns in my room as much okay. as just, I don't know, like being sad or just anxiety mm. in general. Um, but usually, and I think we talked about this before in anxiety, sometimes I'll just sit there and like, I don't know, just lie down on my bed or something. Um, or just like kind of take it in and just lie down, like maybe cry to just get it out. Or I distract myself by going on TikTok or YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I start to hear all these giggles coming through. <laughs> so, so one of the things there, I mean, I, I might have slightly misinterpreted, but sometimes you said you, you might just lay there. So would you say that that's maybe just kind of rolling with it and kind of letting it not play out, but kind of going, okay, we're about to go on this roller coaster. Here we go. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. is that something, a strategy that you've employed, did you say? Sorry? 
is that something that you've done like a strategy that you've done kind of just going do you know what this is this is this is what's happening okay yeah i think Shula used to be really frightened of feelings which is mm. a bit yeah. tough when you've got therapists and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um and she used to be scared of the fear and fearful of the scared and you know it would kind of roll on yeah. like that whereas i think and and that would do uh, be the same for physical feelings so like a, a hurt leg or something like that whereas i think now you're more able to go oh this feels horrible okay yeah yeah being able to identify that feeling and the emotion yeah. is, is is you know i want to say half the battle but it goes a long way to helping you understand and manage what is actually going on doesn't it Absolutely. There's a brilliant book called um, There's an Alarm Bell Going Off in My Head. And it's yeah. all about this and how, you know, we need to thank our bodies for keeping us safe. You know, they, they do a really good job. They're sometimes a bit oversensitive. <laughs> one of the things we can learn is kind of like, oh, yeah, well, my body thinks I'm not safe now. That doesn't mean I'm not. Let me check around here. No, we're okay. All right. Because sometimes we just totally believe unquestionably if i feel scared it must be scary and that's not always the case it definitely absolutely is not always the case is it and that's yeah. really interesting i find yeah that's um yeah so who's the, um, who's the, who's the who's, yeah who's the book who's the book by helen <laughs> um you know thingy <laughs> so what's it called alarm bells are going off in my head alarm bell is going off in my head and she's written another one called help my feelings are too big and oh, okay oh, i've heard of that one yeah yeah they're both great yeah um so um when we talk about meltdowns obviously we have all been locked in our houses for some time and some of us are going back to school well i'm not at school i haven't been to school about 20 years <laughs> um 30 years uh, maybe not 30 years 20 years um and um obviously we've all experienced the, the most you know as a, as, a, as a world something that people never expected to happen so do you feel that we are now people are more in touch people are probably more understanding now that actually mental health and things like meltdowns are more prevalent across any age and culture and class and things like that so how do we kind of you know say the world goes back into lockdown again say we have to go back to lockdown that's going to in introduce a lot of fears for a lot of people is there anything you could say to us that might go okay this is this is what i can do to help with that what to help with meltdowns? Yeah, I mean, it was quite a long-winded way for me to get to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I was trying to say. Yes, yes, Sheila, thank you for helping me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I what what I would say is just I don't know, just kind of like let it out, I guess, because mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's obviously lockdown is really difficult, but. I don't know, sometimes it's just good to just like get out those emotions and the anxiety and stuff. Um, either that or you can distract yourself like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila's top recommendation is TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and what is it about that? Oh, okay, no, before, so what, what... I want to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, number one, be kind to yourself. Um, as Paul Gilbert, author of The Compassionate Mind and loads and loads of stuff about mindfulness and self-compassion and stuff, his number one phrase is, it's not your fault. So if our bodies are doing this, that's what our bodies and our brains do. We get scared and 
the more we can learn to be kind to ourselves, the easier it's going to be and the quicker we recover. So number one, it's not your fault. Um, number two, just because your body's telling you you're in danger, you aren't necessarily. So yeah. have a look around and check what am I really scared of. Number three, ask for help. Um, it's much easier to calm yourself down with someone else who really understands you and cares about you. Sometimes Shula chooses to do it by herself. Sometimes, depending on my mood, she comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> and re we're really thinking about regulation. So really thinking about that distressed, overwhelmed baby that we all have inside us. So we can talk and say, hey, it's only lockdown. It's not a big deal. But if you're feeling really scared, you're feeling really scared. So be kind to yourself. Think of ways to help calm yourself down and check if you are really in danger. And if you're not then just think about moving yourself gently towards emotional safety, whether that's by yourself with another person or, which I think you were about to ask, Ed, through the medium of distraction. Yes, I was. <laughs> Teamwork. Teamwork. Uh, what, Why do you think TikTok works? Uh, well, not just TikTok, it's just like YouTube and generally just things that make me laugh because mm. it means that... I can just kind of forget everything else and um, just, I don't know, have a laugh. Like, um, my, my sister Maya uh, showed me, started showing me, me these videos the other day, which were like, try not to laugh video. <laughs> but they were, um, they're by this uh, YouTube channel called Smosh, who quite famous. And, um, and they have like some really funny things on there and i also just generally like watching things that i've watched before you know yeah. classic um, classic asc <laughs> <laughs> no we stand with it yeah it's really interesting though because shula's identified three things there which is familiarity which helps us feel safe then there's music did you mention music i didn't mention music but it engages a different part of your brain yeah in terms of sensory soothing it's really rhythmic and it kind of calms you down and then laughter so a lot of difficult feelings we have like fear or shame it's really really hard to be terrified and laugh so if you manage to get connected with something or someone that takes you out of yourself um that can really help shift your mood yeah what were the three things then helen because you said laughter music and what was the first one um laughter music and I don't remember. <laughs> we don't remember. No. Was it, was it was it distraction? No. No, you were talking about that within that. After music. Oh, I'll have to rewind it. Familiarity. To... Familiarity. Familiarity, that's it. So for Shula, it's like, oh, good. I'm watching this programme again. I know what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safety. This is... Yeah. I know this makes me laugh. I know the ending. I've gone from this place of terror and I don't know what's happening and I'm overwhelmed to, okay, yeah, we've been here before. Yeah. It's okay. Another thing that I do as well is because I do drama and stuff. Um, sometimes if I get nervous, then I like sing a musical theatre song or like I, I do a dance that I've learnt mm -hmm. at yeah. drama. Like I... Um, so when I get nervous because I was gonna go on a group call with some friends that I haven't that I hadn't seen um, since lockdown, and so I was really nervous for it. And so um, 
whatever I do when I get nervous at home now is I I don't know if you've heard of Legally, Legally Blonde the musical yeah. there's a song in it called Positive and we learn a dance to that and so every time I get nervous at home I just do that dance okay. to the song I know that that's cool did you not hear the music in my room yeah I heard the music I, I and that ticks all those boxes head. that you just I said think, I think we should have a video of Shula on the Blue Sky website teaching us all to do the positive dance there you go I'm sure that, that'll work well I'm up for that thanks Shula <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for volunteering Shula <laughs> But I think what you've said there, isn't it? You've just said all three of those things that um, that you've just said, Helen, is laughter, music and familiarity. Yeah, absolutely. With one, with one song. And I think if we can keep that at the forefront of our mind when we're helping our young people, um, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, chill themselves out, to put it in layman's terms, um, sure. if, you, if, you can, if you can keep those things at right, what's going to make them laugh? Can I involve some music and what's familiar to them? That's kind of I like those short, snappy things. I go, cool. That's kind of when you're in the the moment of oh, god. But the same way we talk about um, connection before correction. So in terms of behaviour management, we're looking to you know get that relationship and that that sense of being with somebody before we might kind of ask them to do something or or tell yeah. them. That's true as well of those. You can't go straight into I'm terrified. Well, here's a funny joke. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not going to be in the right mindset yeah and that's why i think sometimes you, you find things funnier when somebody who you know is saying it rather than do you know what i mean yeah because like, you're like oh i know that person you know they're funny i, I get i get them yes because they're more familiar well, well, you're almost like laughing already even before you've laughed because you know you're going to laugh because you know yeah. it's gonna be funny and that is so soothing and and lovely and predictable and you know that is helpful yeah. yeah yeah i mean sometimes i find kind of unexpected things really funny mm. as well oh that's true yeah yeah but yeah. but if, if we're talking about you know if we've got a kid having a meltdown or something if yeah. we're thinking actually this is where i'm gonna go you yeah. know it's just another another kind of tool to add into your entourage of tools isn't it so yes <laughs> um so um so helen um we're gonna we're, i'm gonna ask for your sort of final thoughts or your takeaway message and sure i'm going to give you a bit of warning because i'll come to you in a minute if there's anything you want to think of but but helen what would be your kind of your takeaway message from today and what you kind of like to say to everybody before we wrap today up that if someone is terrified it's not their fault that naming the fear and respecting the fear even though it's not logical is helpful um offering them support to be with them or give them some space as needed and then be there when they're ready to help them calm down um, and move on to the next thing. And then we learn that fear is horrible, but actually we can survive it. Yeah, cool, thank you. And Shula, I gave you a warning, so what would be your, <laughs> what would be your kind of takeaway? Be better, Shula, because mine was, <laughs> so what I would say is um, if I was having a meltdown I think what one of the last things I would want someone to do is ask what I need <laughs> I'm like I'm in meltdown mode I don't know what I need I just need some I just need well what I would usually need is just to like be just away from everyone else and just like just I don't know, just um, be by myself or with a friend as well, because like that talking about distraction 
again, like if I'm with a friend, I can just chat with them. Um, like for example, one day I was feeling quite, I was just feeling quite sad, and I walked into my science class with my friend, and I I started, I was really upset, so I started crying, and so. And my friend was amazing about it. She just um, took me outside. And so the teacher um, called for um, for SLT senior leadership team to just like come and look after me basically. And so my friend just waited with me and we just chatted and it was really, it was really nice. Yeah. So um, I think a distraction, some, I mean, obviously it's different for everyone, but distraction sometimes can be really effective. Yeah. Um, just like... Oh, I'm going to have a final, final word. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid to get it wrong. So you might ask someone what they need and that might be really unhelpful, like Shula says, or you might give them some space and they actually want you to be close, but we only know through experimenting. So we're better to try yeah. try and support that person and then we can learn about it afterwards like Shula and I we say oh and when you did that that was really unhelpful so, and, <laughs> and I think being able to reflect on those things is really important isn't it because yeah. I think sometimes as adults we go no I'm an adult and if I get it wrong and I'm a British adult and if I get it wrong we won't talk about it ever again whereas, at, whereas actually to go god yeah that's sucks, isn't it yeah uh, <laughs> okay, and then you're kind of you're on board together, aren't you? Um, and I think showing your frailties is 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 important to say actually. Yeah. Know, I don't know what's going on because otherwise, I think what you're doing is I think you're teaching kids the wrong thing. You're teaching kids that if you get it, if you don't get it right, then um, you know, don't bother. And if you don't, so yeah, I think that's really really important. Good attention is so important. You know what you're saying to someone is I really care and I'll try and help you if you can, but I don't always know how. So right now, let's just keep each other safe and wait till the storm subsides, and then we can have a chat. Yeah. Cool. Well, there we go. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I love talking to you guys. I find it. Um, I don't know. It's it's nice to kind of uh, break up all the different bits of work that we're all doing and. I find it really interesting hearing from you, Shula, um, saying about what it's like day to day and then, and then hearing like your mum talking about, you know, the, the clinical side of things and, you know, muggins here just going, okay, what do you mean by that? So I, I, I really enjoy it. So um, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I thank hope you. that the rest of school over the next few weeks is okay. And uh, yeah, I'll catch up with you guys soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye.